I saw it. You saw what? I saw it. How many times do I have to tell you? You don't know what you're dealing with. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Tony, and welcome to the fifth episode of Encounter Stories. We have an awesome episode for you tonight. Um, the gentleman that sent in this story uh, sent us a really long story, so I- I'm so excited to read it to you guys, uh, and I'm so excited for you guys to just, you know, take a, a couple minutes, sit back, relax, enjoy it, and then Dan and I are going to discuss this after. So, uh, you know, of course, I got Dan here with me. What's up, dude? What's going on, Tony? Nothing much, man. So, dude, what do you got going on in your life right now? Anything, like, exciting that we should know about? Not much, man. Just uh, loving life after school vacation has just started. And uh, playing golf a couple times a week, hanging out with my son. You know, doing adult things. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Dude, like, school vacation, now that your summer has officially started, you must be, like, pumped. (laughs) Oh, it's the best. (laughs) Do whatever you want. I want you to think about one thing. What? I have never not had the summer off. Yeah, that makes me want to kill myself. No, right. <laughs> no I'm kidding. I, I know. It's, it's, dude, that's the beauty of being a teacher, man. But, I mean, I feel like the only difference is this year things are a little bit different because there's, some, like, some planning that has to happen before schools open back up. But that's a whole yeah, other conversation. A, so It was a mess, yeah. I we'll can imagine. for another day. God bless you guys. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, man, I, me and my wife have actually been house hunting because uh, we're looking for a new place, but... I'm telling you, man, just like I said last episode, every time I walk into a new house, I'm just looking around and being like, what is the history here? (laughs) Why are they moving? Is there something I should know about? Oh, God, it's scary. It is, man. You got to ask. You got to ask the questions, even if people look at you weird. But, um, you know, and you can ask the realtor. You don't uh, don't usually want to ask the people that live there. Usually they're not around. But if you're like, does somebody die in this house? They're like, well, we're not going to sell it to you because that's a weird question. (laughs) So, (laughs) but uh, anyway. um, Yep. All right, man. Well, like I said, I'm excited. Uh, we have stories from a gentleman uh, from Rhode Island. He just wants to go by Ryan. So Ryan from Rhode Island, thank you for the story. And I would like to just give us a very you know, specific shout out in regards to this story. Um, Ryan, thanks for taking your time to write this and really putting in uh, some some work. I mean, this was you included like some quotes. You It was just really eloquently written and um, it, it just was excellent and it's very descriptive and it really paints the picture for anybody that is reading it or listening. So, uh, thank you, uh, to really putting some time into this. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. All right. So with that being said, there is a title, uh, to this story called the leap to forever. And, um, basically it is a collection of short stories from visiting the lad school grounds in Exeter, Rhode Island. I've also been there myself. I'm very familiar with this place, so I'm excited to talk about it. And the quote uh, that he started off with says, Modern society circumvents nature's law of the survival of the fittest, but we mustn't go too far in allowing not only the survival, but also the multiplication of the unfit. That was by Dr. Joseph Ladd. All right, and with that being said, this is the story. When you find yourself drifting in thought around a moment of time, a place you've been, or an emotion you've experienced in your life, something sparks that memory, something that was silently and calmly waiting, rescinded in your ethereal library, always active, always waiting, always there. I think this phenomenon is one of the most impressive things about the human mind. 
in the way it can retract and push back so easily by the slightest nudge to it by any of the senses. One of the most powerful examples of this for me is the smell of pine trees in the early fall. This scent brings me back to memories of visiting the infamous Lad School in my youth. Many locals to the Rhode Island area have had experiences at this place, whether it be a story of fear for being caught breaking into the grounds or the buildings that once stood within. Others are stories of experiences that involve an untouchable presence that leaves a mark on them they will likely not forget. Some are of the non-believers, scoffing at the thought of this place being anything other than crumbling buildings and poorly kept grass. This story is that of which I will not soon forget. Just like any of my visits to the lad school I had growing up, it involved myself, my camera, and a group of my friends mainly standing around telling each other, be quiet. It also involved each of them asking the other where their packs of cigarettes were. During these moments right before entering the grounds is really where the most fear built. It wasn't right outside the door that can't be unlocked or around that last corner of the hall of the building you slinked into. It was always the lead-in, the point of no return. This night was one of those where it was already pitch black when we arrived. After entering the grounds from a part of the woods we never had before, I noticed that all of the light from the moon I had available to me was gone. I stopped fumbling with my Nikon FM2 and looked up to the sea, the behemoth of a building known as the Circular Building, more commonly known as the Hospital Building. This building, for me, gave off the darkest of feelings. Even though I have more visually and audibly terrifying experiences here, the feeling outside of this place scared me more than anything. It could be due to the stories I had heard about it growing up, it could also be that it was a hospital, so it goes without saying this building was drenched with experiences of death and pain. That, however, really wasn't it. This building had a life. It soaked up all emotion when you were near it, and there was nothing you could do to stop it. All right, my friend whispered to us. Let's split up and look around the building to see if we can find some way in. Last time we were here, the entrance to the basement was loose, so we'll check that first. As everyone split up, I stayed put, just looking up at the building. It wasn't impressively tall, but I think subconsciously sizing it up gave me confidence. I kept backing up slowly, telling myself I wanted to get a great photo of its profile. Looking back, I think it was more just me showing respect to it. Just as I was about to put my eye to my camera to set my shot, it moved. From the top of the building, something moved. I was positive. I looked around for any of my friends and no one was there. Mike, I called out, my own voice making me jump for how unexpectedly loud it was. Realizing this was a mistake without losing eye contact with the top of the building, I started walking the way the group of my friends went. Then again, something moved. It was teasing me, I thought. It's teasing my mind so when I finally find my friends, nothing will be there. I began to hate this building and everything it was. I began to run around the edge of the building's perimeter looking for any one of my friends. Now I was convincing myself it was a security guard. They know we're here and they're calling for backup. I somehow made it around the entire building, both feeling as it took a split second and a year of my life. I looked back to the top of the building and saw now what had moved. It was someone. It was a person. I could feel whoever it was was staring at me. I could tell they looked at me just as confused as I looked at them. I knew this because they kept tilting their head, almost like they were adjusting focus of a lens to see me better. The hypnotizing control seeing this person had on me then broke. I lifted my camera, and as I did, they started to run. I began to run along with them, following to see where they were headed. Right when they reached the edge of the building, they jumped. My heart stopped. 
Did I just see someone jump off a building clearly leading to a destination that didn't end with, look what I just did. The person jumped right out of sight, I thought. I ran around the curve of the building where they would have landed. That's when movement again caught my eye. From the base of the building, I noticed a piece of plywood moving with some force behind it. It was my friends all coming out of the building. They were all in the building this whole time. I was relieved to know the jumper wasn't any of them. As they struggled out of this awkwardly tight basement window, the berating began. An onslaught of, where were you, man? You bitch out? You take a photo of you being a bitch out here? I instantly forgot about what I had just seen and joined in on the back and forth of ribbing. Oh, am I a bitch? At least I can be all by myself here. You guys all holding hands while you walk around the building looking through your fingers. This went on for a good 10 to 15 minutes. That's when I noticed that one of my friends, Scott, had become distracted. I could only really see his eyes from the glow of his clove lighting up as he took a drag. The first few drags, his eyes slowly moved from looking at each of us to looking above us. The last drag before he threw the clove and grinded into the ground, I saw him squinting at the top of the building. The night ended as it usually did. We crept around trying to decide the fastest way back to the car. All of our courage at its peak now that we were leaving. We got back to our car, jumped in, and sped home down the dark road and out of Exeter. I looked back as we left, as if I was going to see the jumper standing there waving back at me. Scott then lit another clove, and the sound startled me. At this moment, as if it wasn't me saying it, out of my mouth came, you saw them, didn't you? Everyone looked around trying to figure out who I was talking to. Scott knew. He knew I was talking to him, and he had seen something. After about 10 minutes of everyone begging him to spill, he just spit out, I don't know what I saw. Jesus Christ, shut up, guys. Everyone went back to regular conversation, which I'm sure revolved around who could get weed or if anyone had a vodka hidden somewhere. I kept staring at Scott's reflection in the windshield being intermittently lit up once again by a clove cigarette. I wanted to know what he saw. I wanted to know I wasn't crazy. That wasn't the last time I would see the jumper at lad school, as I would come to experience what I believed was their spirit a few more times. However, that was what I believe a projection of their last moments of life. Like I said, the building soaked up everything. It soaked up emotions. It soaked up time. It soaked up a person's essence. Then when you least expect it, it will contort itself to twist and wring out these moments just briefly to let you know it owns it. It owns life. It is life. Forever. And that's the end of the story. Whoa. That's so, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah, and it's very well written. I've been to the lad school. Uh, Ryan, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, the Lad School is a super creepy place in the woods of Exeter. Um, I've heard multiple stories from multiple people. I've been to this place multiple times. I've been inside. I've been inside the circular building. I've stood on the roof of the building you saw this figure jump off of. Um, so I know how creepy that place is knowing the history of what happened there. Um, I think one of the things that I should mention before kind of getting into the discussion is the, um, the quote at the very beginning uh, from Dr. Joseph Ladd, where he basically says is, uh, we mustn't go too far in allowing not only the survival, but also the multiplication of the unfit. So this was basically, if, you, if you're walking around the grounds as like a, a plaque and it says that the Joseph P. Ladd School was a a uh, hospital or an educational center for the feeble-minded. Um, so basically people that suffered with mental retardation or mental disorders, uh, they were basically sent to this place because back then in the 70s and the 60s, people didn't know what to do with people that had mental disorders. They were just deemed as crazy. 
Um, and in this hospital, the reasons why it was shut down in the late 80s is because there were a lot of horrible things that happened to patients there. We're talking about stuff as dark as electroshock therapy. We're talking about, um, you know, orderlies and, and nurses beating the patients. Some of the patients being raped. People were getting murdered. It was like a horrible place to be. And it was shut down by the state. Um, and if you've been in there, I mean, not even knowing the history, you just feel this heaviness. But if you know the history, it's even darker when you're in the building and you just know what kind of happened on those halls. It's really disturbing. Um, so, Ryan, I just want to thank you again for your writing. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, you had an experience which is unique because it was outside the Lad Center. It wasn't even inside yet. And you saw this figure... Um, jump off the side of the building, which has got to be somewhat traumatizing for anybody because you don't, you know, you know that people are breaking into this place. You would have wondered that moment did, yeah, did somebody like break in and then jump off to kill themselves here? You know, and then when you find that it's just this figure that jumped into nothing and nothing happened, that's one hell of an encounter, man. Um, Dan, from, you know, hearing this story like I did for the first time, I mean, what are your general reactions to this or just your response i guess i i just that's it's very heavy like he's saying uh it's interesting uh the quote is very interesting to me because mm -hmm. it kind of tells the story of who that doctor was uh kind of like a uh a mad scientist in a way he had all these people and i'm sure they were doing some sort of experiments on them yeah they were def definitely doing some sort of experiments, exper experiments on them um, with electroshock therapy and whatnot. And it seemed like it prob probably was the worst place in the world to, to be living mm -hmm. and then also probably to be working. I can't even imagine what that must have been like in there. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if they were doing restraints back then. Yeah, they were. You know, they must have been. <clears throat> and they must yeah. have been using, like, you know those uh, restraint jackets and yeah, and straight jackets and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah, um, I'm just wondering whether or not it, you know the 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 runner or the ju the jumper um, was someone who escaped their cell and mm -hmm. decided to to do that. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering, and that's interesting to me, whether it was somebody who felt like doing that to the you know. Um, just came there and then did it or it was someone who escaped and said i can't be here anymore and just did that that's kind of scary that someone would go to that length to get out of there yeah i mean that's an interesting thought yeah i didn't really even think of that you know it, i mean what he's describing you know he saw is very much just like a replay of energy you know which a lot of people see you know replays of of an event happening or a haunting happening over and over and over again and I think in that moment, he was, you know, is, is an open enough person where this spirit or this presence wanted to make itself seen, wanted knew that he was able to see it. And, you know, the fact that it the fact that it stopped and kind of looked at him and kind of like tilted its head, almost like trying to figure out like, you know, th like that state does? of. Yeah, like that state of confusion is a little interesting. Like, why would it have to? Like, why are you here? Yeah, basically? you know, you know, that and that's, you know, that brought up that question. It's like, do you in that like moment? Did you did you? <laughs> yeah. But in that moment, did you catch a glimpse of like something from another dimension? 
Because if you cross over into another dimension, or I mean, I would assume that if we did, we would have some sort of a confused look as well. Like, where the hell am I right now? You or know? that that if it was another dimension, which it could have been, who knows? But that the jumper could have just saw this person come out of thin air and said, where did that person come from? And mm-hmm. kind of look at him like, where did that person come from? And then continued to go on doing what he was going to do or she was going to do. So that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I think he's seeing a, a presence, you know, just in general, but seeing a presence actually act out like an act of death, you know, basically just jumping off a building and essentially committing suicide is nuts. Um, the fact that you went around the building didn't really seem to, to find anything, um, you know, and, and I think it, you know, sometimes when you see something, you actually you try to rationalize it first. You try to say, well, did I really see it? But then, you know, you kind of have your your buddy there who also saw something, you know, like he he definitely, had, you know, saw something. And I think he pretty much is telling you, like, I didn't know what I saw, but I know I saw something, you know, essentially. So I think knowing that he also saw something kind of probably validates what you saw as well. You know, if you were questioning, did I see something? Well, if he also did, then you probably did. Well, um, he probably doesn't even want to. He probably didn't even want to rationalize it. It sounds like, it sounds like he didn't want to rationalize it. It sounds like he just, yeah, I'll admit to that I saw something moving. Yeah, but I'm not going to admit that I saw, you know, a ghost or anything like that. Yeah, you know, and I always think it's weird too with with some people. You know, it's like they want to go out and have experiences, and and honestly, like this group of guys, I mean, they were all going to to check this place out, you know, and they know the rumors and they know that it's supposed to be haunted and that's why they're going. Cause it's creepy. But like, then if you actually have an experience where you see something, you kind of, I'm just interested in his reaction. It's almost like he's trying to be like a tough guy about it. Like, like, oh, I mean, I don't know what I saw, man. Like Jesus Christ, like leave me alone. Like, I just want to smoke my cigarette. Like I almost like he's trying to be too badass to admit that. Like he probably saw something because he doesn't want to be like the guy who'd be like, Oh, Scott's a ghost you know, two years ago at the lab center, like, cool, bro. Like Scott's crazy. You know, like maybe you don't want to fall into that being that guy. But I mean, honestly, if you see something, you see something. And I feel like if you're going there with a group of your friends, they should probably respect the fact that you saw something, you know? And I I know that Ryan does because he also encountered it and was very aware of his friend. And I think that's a sign of a great friend too. Well, you know, also just to go from the other side of the coin, you know, that reaction to me makes me think that he was not ready to accept what he saw. And so he was lashing out verbally. And that's a tactic people do when they, when they're traumatized, um, when they have trauma, they'll avoid the questions. They'll avoid having to, you know, talk about what they're traumatized from. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, you know, he just says, oh, Jesus Christ, I don't want to talk about it, basically. That's basically what he's saying. I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, that, that makes me feel like, you know, that person saw something that he couldn't rationalize and didn't want to talk about because he probably was pretty scared by it. Yeah. You know, I would be scared by it. I told you it's like the worst thing in the world for me if I ever saw that. You know, that would be very scary to me, mm-hmm. although I think I would want to talk about it because I mm-hmm. do like talking about this stuff. That's why we have this podcast. But right. um, I don't know. Not everybody would want to, though. Everyone's different. You know, you yeah. can't expect people 
to react in a certain way, even if they go there knowing that's a that they might see something. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone has a different reaction. You know, no, it's a like really in, good point. It, you know, it's like in war, people have soldiers have always have different reactions to you know a firefight. Some people are you know they they rush headlong in because that's what they're calling. That's what the inside of their body is telling them to do. With, using adrenaline and all that stuff and some people will cower and say i thought i was prepared for this but i'm not and i'm going to go hide in in an un, you know in, in the hole like in world war Two, mm-hmm. like in bastone and just hide in the hole and say i don't know what to do and shake you know and you don't know how you're going to react to when you're in you that see situation something. yeah yeah and and you know you know what's funny i, I it's fun. yeah, I, I mean I, I really like that you brought that up because I've actually like said those words about myself. Like when I, I did this stuff a lot, like I went ghost hunting and then like, they were just like, like, Oh, I want to see something. I want to see something. But then like there were nights when we're, we were driving and I was just like, man, like I hope I know myself well enough. Like I don't, I, I would say like, I don't know if I know myself well enough to say that I won't freak the fuck out or I won't freak the hell out when I see something or if I see something. You know, like I would hope that I wouldn't and that I would be calm. But it's like when you see something that you cannot explain in that moment, you're I think you have either a moment of some people can think very clear in that moment. And some people just have like that fight or flight reaction. Well, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, and they just need to get away from it because they can't rationalize that They don't understand how it's happening or don't understand it in general. So I would like to think that I would be able to think logically in that moment but i think your your uh your own skills of just you know uh you know evolutionary uh survival kick in that's all it is that's all it is i don't you know you don't know until you're put into that situation right you know and uh you know I, i don't fault anyone for having their own you know personal personal um reaction uh even if you go there expecting to see something or wanting to see something that doesn't mean anything yeah your reaction could be completely different than what you told yourself you wanted out of this Mm -hmm. particular situation so yeah it's uh yeah i mean it's a very interesting story um man seeing a figure jump from the top of the circular building is pretty ridiculous um like i said i've been up there and looking back on it man it's like <laughs> what the hell i was doing but did like you did you experience anything there i did i mean i didn't exp- i didn't see anything i didn't see any kind of a, a presence like he did or have any kind of an encounter but but you felt you just felt feel it man it's really hard to describe like when you're in there I, I, it's just like this dampness this heaviness this darkness that kind of weighs on you when you're in there and it's I, I think it's mainly because like i knew what happened there and i i mean i couldn't there was no way around it like i had i'm just the type that researches stuff before, and that's usually why i go to actually check it out like places in rhode island and i heard a lot of the stories and then when i read into what happened there i mean of course you, of course you have those thoughts like when you're going to the place like where am i going right now basically like a shut down like mental institution like what happened here you know and you know i I, it's just it's scary man i mean i i can tell you right now um that 
the only other encounter story are two encounter stories that I know surrounding this lad school. Um, there's a friend of mine who is, uh, there's now a rehab center that's been built on the same grounds, like kind of next door. Um, maybe like a car's drive away. Um, but it's close enough to the property that you could probably walk a couple of minutes to get there. But it's like a brand new facility, probably like 10 years ago. Um, and it's a rehab place. Is um, it out in the middle of nowhere? It's right next to the lad school. Um, yeah, but no, I mean the lad school itself and, yeah, the, and obviously well, it's, this new it, building. Is it kind of like in set back? It's in actually the woods, near or? the it's actually near the veteran cemetery in Exeter. It's like right next door to it. Um, so if you look up that, it's it's legit right next door. Um, you pass part of the cemetery when you're going into to the grounds of the lad center where it was. So, um, but anyway, I mean, like there was there are people that have claimed that when they're in that rehab place. They wake up in the middle of the night and see someone standing at the foot of their bed, like just kind of watching them sleep. And then they freak out and, you know, and it's not at the, the brand new rehab place, the brand new rehab place. It's that oh, close to the lad center, you know, um, the other. And so people will claim that weird things happen in that rehab center, like lights go on and off, doors shut and close. Like people have seen apparitions. People have seen things standing at the foot of their bed while they're sleeping. I mean, all that really creepy stuff, man. But I mean, like that is. I think those spirits are still very are very present there. It's a very haunted ground because of everything that went down. Um, I think the uh, well, and not I think I know the other um, story. I know is a friend of mine was driving his sister uh, to and from work, and she worked at the Lad Center. And I guess uh, there was one night where he drove her there, dropped her off, came back later, picked her up, and when he was late, when they were driving out, it's a really long kind of dark road to get back onto one of the main roads and exit or out of that piece of land. And when he was driving down that road, he slammed on his brakes because he saw a girl around no older than the age of, age of 15 standing in the middle of the road with like a, like a hospital gown on. And he didn't know what the hell was going on. And he, and then it kind of just kind of dissipated. And he like freaked out and stepped on the gas and him and his sister drove out of there and his sister oh was Lord and his sister was freaking out. But to see like a, a young girl in a hospital gown, stay, just look right at you in your car and then disappear. I mean, like, that's would scare the hell out of me. And especially in the middle of the woods, where you don't expect to see something like that. That's right out of a horror movie. But I mean, that's legit like what my friend saw. And I know this kid and he like he doesn't lie about anything. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but he's just not one of those people to tell tall tales. So, and I mean, I'm getting, it, it, I'm getting goosebumps right now just from that. Yeah. And anytime I actually, anytime I've actually brought it up, cause I just think the story is very interesting. Like it's not like he's making it up. It's almost like he's slightly uncomfortable telling it because <laughs> he doesn't like reliving <laughs> it, you know? Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, I so, I, so, geez. so, I mean, you pair that with, you know, the, the people that are in the rehab center, how I felt when I was in there and Ryan's story of seeing somebody jump off the roof and his friend probably seeing somebody else on the roof as well, if not the same figure. Here's a question for you though. You're, you're, you're obviously a researcher. You do a lot of research before you go to places like that because of the research that you did and all the information you had. Do you think that what, what you read touched you enough that bothered you enough so that when you went there it created that heaviness uh definitely agree with you on part of that i can't i can't deny that at all i think that that definitely has some sort of an impact on me whether i want to admit it or not 
when you research horrible things that happen to people and then you go into that space, you're automatically trying to think about what horrible things would have happened. And if you see like a room that looks like a room that a patient once lived in that is now rotted away and has nothing in it except a torn apart wire bed frame, um, you know, you start to think the worst. Uh, you, I, work, I walked past the infirmary. I don't know how many people died there. I walked past one of the rooms where it looked like it was, you would strap somebody down to a chair that was still drilled to the floor in the room, like a dentist chair. That's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Where they totally could have strapped somebody down and done elect- electroshock therapy in that room. Or anything else they or anything else. wanted to do, yeah. You, like, you basically hold somebody down because and they can't move and do you sedate them? What... Where were these patients being hurt? Where were they? Where were these people being, you know, treated poorly? Where was, you know, were people getting raped? Where I'm standing right now is that's as dark as it gets. Those thoughts definitely inhabited me when I was in there. It had some sort of an impact, but there I'm are not some, trying to take. I'm not trying to take. No, no, you know, no. I, I know, but I'm just trying to separate away. it. I'm just trying. No, to, no. I, I mean, I'm not. But there are rooms that you walk into where you just get a feeling. Like, and it's not because you're thinking, it's like you walk in and it's just like, man, this feels off. Like I, dude, there was a floor that I went on to where I was like, every floor I was like pretty cool. I was like, all right, let's take a walk through. And then there was one floor I was like, I need to get the hell off this floor. Feel like, this feels awful here. <laughs> like yeah, I, I want to yeah. get, I want to get out of here. I'm just know? trying to understand because I, I don't think I've ever had that kind of feeling before. It, it's almost um, like I, it, you ever feel like someone's watching you. Well, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. Um, there was one time, and this isn't really an encounter story at all. <laughs> it's not even really. I'm just trying to uh, yeah. understand how you feel. So I think we were, I was up in, in Vermont with my family, and I, was, I just went out just to take a little hike in the woods behind the, the little cabin we rented. And I remember just going out pretty far. I mean, I probably went like 400, 500 yards away from the house. Um, in in an environment that I don't know, and and I would and I got this really weird feeling of just saying like I don't belong here right now, mm. you know. I got this really weird feeling, um, and I do remember another time that Beth and I were I think up we were going for a hike um, up north, and uh, I she was like no let's just let's just go go on this hike and I was like Beth I don't know like I don't really feel comfortable going on this hike right now we don't know what's out there uh we're in new hampshire or maine or whatever there could be you know we didn't do any research or background information about what type of animals are in that area during this time mm-hmm. and we're just gonna go on this trail that no one in ha- no one goes on because it's behind the, the cabin that we rented whatever and mm-hmm. we're just gonna go on this hike and we don't know if there's any animals back there and i just remember having this really weird sense of I don't think we should go out there right now. Did you end up you know, going so I, or no? We ended up going. We ended up going a little, just a you know, just a little ways into the woods, and I was like, Nah, I, we gotta go back. I'm just not feeling this. Yeah. So, I kind of, uh, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, that's a completely different feeling. Like you're feeling like a heaviness. I'm feeling like a sixth sense saying, I shouldn't be here right now, or something's out there and. You know, I just don't feel comfortable. Something's I think, making I me think, feel uncomfortable. I think the, the thoughts that you have, I mean, the first one, that's 
but the feeling of I shouldn't be here right now is the same type of feeling I'm getting where I'm like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like it's something's not right. You know, like I know what happened here, but I, it's like, it's like that story I, I had mentioned about the Hornbine school where I heard that weird sound. I'm driving there and I'm like, man, I don't feel like getting out of the car tonight. Yeah, it's the yeah, same no, thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's the exactly. same kind of thing. Like you don't feel like going high. I think it's just like your, your, yeah, you like your sixth sense, your protective, like subconscious kicks in, you know? And it just like, I just felt like, man, I, I don't know. Maybe it, I mean, you got a very good point, but I don't know, man. It's, it's also just kind of like a, you just feel like a dampness. Like, Oh, I got to, there's so much shit that happened here. I got to get the hell out of here. You know? Yeah. Well, the people, you know, people report, um, in a paranormal situation that uh, they they get drained of energy, they don't feel good, they feel sick, mm-hmm. um, they feel tired, they feel fatigued, uh, they feel cold, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so I'm I obviously you know all that stuff, but I'm just saying I think that's that could be part of it. It could be your body picking up on that negative that negative energy and all that emotion that mm. that happened there, you know. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like, like we, we all leave about an energy episode. trail behind, you know, so. Well, that's what I mean. Energy, we're all energy. And, you know, the heaviest energy may stay where it started, mm-hmm. you know, and you walk through that energy and it, it binds, you know, binds to you and makes you feel terrible. I mean, just passing through it, even just passing through it makes you feel bad. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely, it's nuts. I mean, I haven't. Um, I haven't gone back to that place uh, in years uh, now. So when this had to be the same time, but when Ryan went and I went, um, it's yeah, it's got to be around that same time period or that that maybe like six or seven year period because you could kind of drive in and there were security that would patrol because it's state property. So you weren't supposed to be over there going in the building. So sometimes it'd be like, get out of here, you know, or like, what are you doing here? And like, you know, you some people got arrested and some people were just like, you know, they got told to leave. Um, but now when you drive in, there's these huge signs before you enter the property and it says um, trespassing. Like if you pass this line without permission, blah, 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 and you are caught, you know, by a cop, you will be arrested. And there's like a $5,000 fine. So, oh my God. So yeah. it's not Don't like go back there. So, I mean, you could drive in and drive up to that sign, but if you pass that sign and you're not supposed to be there, I mean, like they can't arrest you. So it's like, it's not like, and these signs are like, there's like one on each side, like big signs, like blatantly. No like there. So it's not, you could be like, I didn't see it. You know, like, no, you saw it. You just like ignored it, you know? So, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's freaky, man. Um, the only, actually the only experience that I have had at the lad center um, and this might be nothing, but it, it stuck in my head. I was going there one night and I'm driving in and, um, my friend didn't, I don't, I don't think my friend saw it. I saw it. And I still, to this day, I have no idea what it could have been. So you come up to this one part after this long road and you see a bunch of trees and in the trees, it's just leaves and darkness. Right. But you have to come up to that tree and then kind of like take a right and go almost backwards, but you're going backwards down a different, like going, you're basically coming back from where you came from the same direction, but your car's just, you know, instead of, it's just in the reverse direction. I'm explaining that way too much. But anyway, you gotta have to take a right at that tree and just go wherever you go to the lad center. But I remember like driving up to it 
I saw this like what looked like a white cloth, <laughs> like the edge of like a. I, the only thing I can think of, because this is like so horror movie, but like the only thing I can think of is like the edge of a robe or like the edge of like a, a white jacket that was like trailing somebody. And it looked like it just, it kind of fluttered back and forth a couple times and then went into the trees. And I drove up to the trees and I'm like, what the hell was that? And my buddy's like, what? And I was like, you didn't see that white thing? He's like, no. I'm like, dude, what the hell was that? It was right in front of us. And he didn't see it. And to this day, it's like, that wasn't my headlights. Like, there's nothing out there except my headlights and my car in that tree. So it's not like there was something reflecting what I saw. You know, it wasn't my headlight moving weird like that because my headlight's a, a steady piece of hardware. It wouldn't do that. It doesn't move like that. The light didn't refract, you know, uh, refract like that and then disappear into the trees. I, to this day, don't know what that is. But it was just so oddly weird and stuck out from every from anything else that you would see driving in on that road, especially just on a going into trees was odd. I don't know if something walked into that trees and I, and I just missed it. I don't know if it was just some fog or something, but it, I don't remember it being foggy that night. So who knows? But the amount of stuff that's happened on that property, I wouldn't be surprised if I had caught a glimpse of something, but just didn't know what it was. Hmm. That's just another weird thing that happens there, I guess. Yeah, man. So, well, Ryan, I, I, would love to follow up, you know, and definitely hear some of the other stories that you might have about this place. Um, also to ask you some questions about, you know, what, what happened with your friend? Like, did he ever talk about it again after he had kind of brought it up that one, you know, time in the car, did he ever go into detail about what he saw? Do you, um, you know, what, I mean, did, did when you guys told your friends, like, I, I wonder what their reaction was because they, they, you never really kind of explained if, if you had told them what they saw or told them what you saw. So I, I, I just think it's awesome, man, that you shared the story. And thanks again. It was really well written. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have been there, man. I know exactly what that place is like, um, as you've heard. And I give you, you guys props for going there and checking it out. Um, you know, I, at least you got in there when you could, man, without being at risk from being arrested. Yeah, I mean, don't it's kinda, go. Anyone listening to this, please don't yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, you can go, but you <laughs> proceed at your own risk. As I think it even says that on the sign, like, proceed at your own risk. Um, $5,000 anyway, is a lot of money. Yeah, it's not worth it. So, um, anyway, well, um, thank you, Ryan, man. I appreciate your story. Uh, definitely shoot Thanks, us another Ryan. email and follow up, you know, if you'd like to tell us another story or you'd like to kind of um, answer those questions. Uh, but either way, man, thank you. That was super interesting. One hell of an encounter seeing a, 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 a presence or a spirit jump off the top of the circular hospital building at the Lad Center. That is one of the craziest things I've ever heard about that place. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And um, I think this pretty much does it for episode five of Encounter Stories. Um, we have something really cool in store for you next week. So stick around and we'll see you then. All right. See you guys later.